Today, we celebrate our 100th episode of the Embracing Autism podcast. Join in on the celebration as we share reflections on our journey thus far and what we've learned along the way. We will also be sharing our favorite listener reviews and emails we've received. Welcome to Embracing Autism, a podcast for parents of autistic children seeking advice and support while spreading awareness and acceptance of autism spectrum disorder. I'm Leah. And I'm Matt. And each week we will discuss our journey with autism and talk about how to embrace your child's individuality while providing guidance, tips, resources, and sharing our personal stories. This is Embracing Embracing Autism. Autism. This is our 100th episode. Throw the confetti. And for those on audio only, you can imagine confetti. confetti. (laughs) It's, It's sparkly. It's colorful. It's everywhere. Confetti. It's getting in my hair. Oh, no. <laughs> Everyone hates confetti because it's kind of like glitter bombing. It's like the same concept where it just makes a mess everywhere. But it's a little piece of paper. I feel like it's better than glitter. That's true. But I still think we should never introduce our kids to it. That might be good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so today marks a huge milestone for us. This is our 100th episode of the Embracing Autism podcast. For those of you who are listening to this episode, that probably means you've listened to all of it. So thank you so much for holding on this long. I don't know how you guys do it because I can't tolerate the sound of my own voice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you and me both. Um, So continuing (laughs) right along. (laughs) Yeah. So one of the things that we want to do today is use this as an opportunity to kind of reflect on on past episodes and learnings that we've had. We want to reflect a little bit on how we have grown since our first podcast episode and if there's been any kind of changes in our mindset, which I do feel like we have changed a little bit on certain opinions since the very first episode of the Embracing Autism podcast. So we'll be talking a little bit about that. And then we want to share some feedback that we've gotten from you guys because you guys make all of this possible. And if it wasn't for you guys, our embracers, yes, we will still call that because we have yet to have anybody complain. And the rule was, if you don't complain, you get the name. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, we're going to basically review a little bit of those and just go into a little bit of a reflection mode. So the first thing that we should probably talk about is episode one, because I actually think oh, that our first episode was probably the hardest to record. And It's probably the only one that we actually recorded the full episode, scrapped it, and completely re-recorded it. It was the one where we kind of introduced our backstory and we were talking about the grieving process and introducing like who we are and the struggles that we were going through when we found out about our oldest diagnosis. Because at the time, we didn't know that our second kid was also autistic. Yeah, a lot has changed since then. Because I mean, we were still not saying we're not going through the process still, but I think we were so new to what autism even was. And to say that we even fully understood it is, I mean, a complete miss. I mean, we basically knew nothing, just what a couple of people had told us, and we were trying to figure out everything for ourselves. So it was questionable at best if we knew what we were actually doing. But I mean, it seemed like we kind of were able to kind of navigate our path for our journey. So I mean, I think it was good because I think everyone finds themselves in that first initial step when you think your child might be getting a diagnosis of autism. You're you're just not really sure. You don't know what you don't know, and you're very aware of all the things you just don't know. It's just, yeah, it's just a weird place because you want to know as much as possible, but there isn't enough time to actually learn it. So you try and take in as much as possible and some of it sticks and some of it you have to relearn along the way. 
Yeah, I think the one thing that really kind of stood out for me with that episode was how I feel like for us personally, not just in like our marriage, but as parents to a child who was autistic, it felt like a bit of a turning point for us. Like we felt like we were at a place where we could start a podcast, where we could start talking to people about our experience and start to give some insights that we've learned along the way. Season one is a little rough around the edges in the sense that we still stand by a lot of the advice and support that we gave at the time. However, we weren't as knowledgeable with like the in-depth detail and information that we know now from experience. To me, that first episode kind of symbolized our change in perspective. Like the whole goal of season one was to get us from weathering the storm of basically discovering this diagnosis to fully getting to that point where you can not embrace autism fully because that can be a long journey for some people. So it's longer for some than others. For us, I feel like we got there sooner than most people probably would. But at least embrace the concept of embracing autism, changing your mindset so that you don't see autism as like the enemy or something that needs to be overcome, essentially. That first episode, it was very personal. We talked about how we were very emotional when our kids were diagnosed or our first child. Our second one was actually quite different. (laughs) We didn't really have much of a reaction for that one. I remember what season we were on where we finally figured that one out, but we were already partway through the journey and we're like, oh, just toss another one in there. Like we two for one shopping. It's like a shopping (laughs) experience. We're already already on the aisle of autism. Might as well just toss another one in there and keep going. I know. We're like, do we get the like second child discount for the therapies? (laughs) Like 50% off for the second kid? (laughs) I wish. (laughs) So yeah, I definitely feel like a lot has changed in that sense. One of the things that I think that has also changed a lot has been our perception on like ABA therapy and our perception on what the autism community actually thinks and believes. Uh, Like many of you out there, when you first get an autism diagnosis for your child, the first thing you do is you go on the internet and you go on social media and you're bombarded with all of this information about autism. And we fell into that same trap where we took things at face value initially. That was just a little bit naive on our parts, just to assume, I guess, because we didn't know anything at the time. So we just assumed whatever we were being told was accurate. And it took some time for us to realize that, for example, the autism community is not a monolith. Everyone doesn't agree about everything. Like there are autistic adults who disagree about the puzzle piece. There's others who disagree about ABA. There's some autistic adults who actually own ABA clinics and are ABA therapists themselves. And so initially we thought that it was very much so that the entire autistic community was against this or that the majority of the autistic community was against this. But after a couple seasons of recording, and especially after we started the IRL episode where we started talking to these people, we realized more and more that the autistic community is a lot more diverse than people give it credit for. There's a lot of cognitive diversity, which I guess I do mean that neurologically, but also just diversity of thought, a lot of perspectives and opinions. And it just seems like some tend to be louder than others. But if you dig through it, you will actually see that there's quite a diverse range of opinions. So that was something that has changed over time with our opinion of like ABA, for example. And I guess I'm still confused a little bit because when we jumped in, we we're kind of like, oh, okay, because we're getting a medical or we have a medical diagnosis for our, our girls of autism. I was under the assumption that society would kind of like, maybe it's naive to say on the same page or like has like the same goal in mind, like 
Like being unified? Right. As far as like, I mean, because I'm trying to think of other um, disabilities. And I mean, maybe it is true of each one that there is kind of a shift and divide on how different things are perceived. But I always thought that, okay, maybe it would kind of be like a unifying group of sorts where everyone kind of comes together. They kind of help each other where they can. They always focus on the child or whoever's diagnosed with autism to kind of get the best care that they need or the best resources that they can or tips, tricks, whatever to kind of make life easier for everyone. And it was very interesting to kind of see the divide from like the two different groups and the fighting in between on some things. It's just very interesting that I wasn't necessarily prepared for that because I was coming into it not wanting any type of fight whatsoever. I was looking more so as like, oh, I am trying to be peaceful and please provide us with whatever knowledge you might have so that we can continuously build upon it to take it in, make it our own, learn from the experiences and share it with kind of the next person. But it isn't necessarily as simple as that. We've learned a lot through these interactions and through talking to autistic adults. And then, of course, I got my autism diagnosis, which was completely unexpected. Like, I, I, it's kind of so weird for me because it's almost like I completely, absolutely did not think that I was autistic at all at the beginning of this journey because I had one specific perception of autism. And it was that cliched view of autism of lining things up, being extremely rigid in certain things, difficulty in transitions and all that. And I felt like I did not experience any of that. But then in retrospect, I was looking at like certain restrictions that I had, difficulties that I did have with certain transitions that are just more subtle, like taking a new route to work or being able to participate in an event that I've never experienced before, things like that without getting a lot of like anxiety about it. And I realized like, oh, geez, I must be autistic. (laughs) And of course, that's when I found out. And like that to me was probably the craziest turn of our journey because I can tell you I at no point in time suspected that I was autistic until I started talking to other autistic adults and they were like, you realize you're a lot like us, right? (laughs) (laughs) You just thought you got along with people. They actually called it out. They basically told you, what, welcome home? (laughs) They're like, I'll never forget it. I wanted this group and I was like, relating to people and they responded with this meme of i think like anna from frozen kind of giving like the cute like oh should we tell her look (laughs) and i was like what and then everyone just started saying honey you're autistic i was like what (laughs) and so yeah that was definitely an interesting part of the journey but one of the things that i think resonates a lot for us and from the feedback that we received resonates with our audience you guys are embracers is how real that particular episode was, episode one, because we talked about that grieving process. We opened up our souls, essentially. And we don't do that a lot on the podcast, mostly because while we like to acknowledge grief and we think grief is an important part of the process, we don't like to basically dwell on grief because we think that it's essentially not healthy to dwell on grief. Although, again, grief itself is a natural, healthy process. We just like to be more optimistic and kind of pave the way forward to be able to see that light at the end of the tunnel. And that's kind of what has helped us. 
So that initial episode, we got a lot of feedback from people about how impactful that episode was. And I wanted to bring to the attention an email that was sent to us from a fan. So we got some fan mail. We get emails all the time. For those of you who aren't aware, you can send us emails at podcast at autismwish.org. And we read all the emails. We might not be able to respond to all of them, but we definitely read them all. But this one stood out. I'm going to read this line because I think it will resonate a lot with the audience. And I want you guys to understand how connected you guys truly are. All of you who listen to this podcast, we hear very similar stories. So you're not alone. So this person wrote, I feel oftentimes very alone in this journey because other parents do not open up about grieving in their journey the way I would. Either parents do not want to open up about it or they just do not experience the grieving process because they act like they do not have time to experience it because their lives are busy trying to pay their bills. When I talk to parents of typical kids about raising children with autism, I feel very discredited and dismissed regarding the challenges I go through daily in raising my kids because the reaction I typically get from parents of typical kids is, typical kids have problems too. Now, when I tell moms of typical kids how challenging it is to raise two kids with autism, somehow it turns into this competition by these moms, like they're trying to compete with me to win an award for who has the most difficult challenges raising their children. When I heard that feedback, I related to it so much that I had to send a response to her. I sent her like a page email back because we've been in this exact situation, especially with the two kids. People might try to mean well, like, oh, yeah, we're all in it together kind of thing. I mean, we kind of spoke about that in one of the previous episodes where it's kind of like the like fake rallying, like, oh, yeah, we've got it hard, too, with our kids. And it's like, but they still don't get it. It's still like. It's not the same thing. Right. You're not really comparing apples to apples. Like there are additional challenges that you don't typically get. I mean, as far as like, okay, you're not dealing with any type of sensory overload or sensory struggles or challenges or meltdowns or such. I totally get it. I mean, I could say we've been there too, because it seems like anytime we try to voice our concerns to family, it kind of sometimes falls on deaf ears where it's kind of like, oh yeah, raising kids is hard. And it's like, well, yeah, raising kids is hard, but X, Y, and Z, other challenges that other parents don't necessarily have to contend with that we find ourselves in. So it is very difficult to relate unless you are able to find a tight community of individuals who have autistic children as well, because then you can relate on a more apples to apples comparison where and hopefully find some tips and tricks on how to uh, contend with different uh, sensory overloads and meltdowns and such. The other thing that kind of hit me was they also spoke about the grieving process and how it's been difficult for them through that grieving process because they couldn't find people who truly related to that experience. In the email, they also said Thank you for addressing all of the topics that you discuss. I just wanted to say that when I talk to parents of children with autism, they rarely discuss the grieving process, and I've never met in person any parent who admits that they have ever even gone through the stages of the grieving process. That is so true for a couple of reasons. I think sometimes, one, parents or just people in general will not often open up about something personal and emotional like that. Like a grieving process is very personal. A lot of times people feel a level of discomfort sharing that sort of like intimacy into like their soul. So a lot of people act like they're okay on the outside when they're really grieving on the inside. But there are others who simply don't grieve in the way that we do because they simply are 
totally cool with the autism diagnosis right off the bat. And some people are are like that. They don't need that grieving process. I needed that grieving process because I needed to grieve what I thought was going to be an easy future for my child that was ultimately going to result in a more difficult future for her where there could be more bullying, more challenges getting what she deserves. And honestly, we've, we've seen this. Like, she's only four going on five, but we've already seen that. So that's really what we were grieving. I mean, periodically, we kind of hit these cycles a little bit too, depending on circumstances that are, I mean, arising in our life. I mean, to say that we grieved once, it's in the past, we kind of wash our hands of it and we're done with it. That's not necessarily true either. I mean, we, I mean, the, the duration of time that we grieve has kind of shrunk down. But I mean, if we are reflecting on a challenge or something that our daughter is contending with, we get very emotional and kind of upset and kind of think like, okay, how are we going to make this work for the future? How are we going to kind of overcome any additional challenges that this might cause? It can kind of cycle back occasionally. I mean, I think the first grieving process initially, I think that's probably the longest or the, the bulk of the the grieving overall. But I mean, I would say it flares up occasionally. I mean, it, it's not always rainbows and butterflies and everything. The good news is I didn't really have much of a grieving process when you got your diagnosis. <laughs> so You were like, I knew there was something wrong with her. <laughs> well, I just, I mean, I think I probably had my, my can of Pepsi and tossed, tossed a few back. Oh, please. You love the sensory play. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wildly inappropriate. <laughs> um, there's that autistic bluntness. Okay. <laughs> so um, we want to transition a little bit over now in this episode. And before we wrap up, I want to have a chance to talk a little bit about some of the reviews that we've gotten. Give you guys a shout out. Our podcast has been doing phenomenal. I mean, we launched this podcast on Autistic Pride Day intentionally. I believe that was like, what, June 18th, I believe? Yep. Almost two years ago, right? I believe so. Honestly, I lose track, but I think it's like two years at this point. We're coming up on two years. So this this June, it'll be our second <laughs> anniversary. Hopefully. I mean, yeah. if the math is right. <laughs> we launched it on Autistic Pride Day intentionally because I wanted my child and children who were likely going to listen to this in the future to have a record of us as their parents talking about them in a positive way and showing them that we fully do embrace and, and totally accept them for who they are and accept and embrace their autism as part of who they are. And so to me, it was important to launch it on Autistic Pride Day because I know that there are definitely challenging parts of autism. That is definitely something I personally experience. And I know there's people who experience far more severe autism than myself. I definitely am aware of that. However, for my kids and for myself, I thought it was important to show that we should have a sense of pride in ourselves and who we are. And there's certain aspects of ourselves that we simply can't change. They're built into our neurology, built into our biology. And so we should not be ashamed of that. And we should be proud of who we are and how we were made. And so for me, it was important that the podcast launch on such a symbolic day. And so that's why we chose that day. And that will be our second year anniversary yeah, i think i don't know yeah. i'm not keeping track honestly we're at like 22 months in <laughs> <laughs> yeah but honestly i want to thank you guys out there so much y'all are amazing you guys have launched our podcast and 
spearheaded it all the way up to the top 2.5% globally. So think about that for a minute. The Embracing Autism podcast is in the top 2.5% in the entire world with zero marketing. We have not spent a penny on marketing this podcast. It has all been through word of mouth, which means it has all been through you. So thank you so, so, so much for that. It really like warms our hearts and it, it keeps us running forward on this mission because we run this podcast and we run Autism Wish on a deficit. I'm not sure how many of you guys are aware of that, but we do this as a passion project. We make absolutely no money on this. We actually run it at a net loss of several, I would say probably several thousand dollars that we basically put into this passion project. And so to hear that it is worth it to you guys, to hear these amazing reviews, you guys keep us going and you guys keep this podcast going. So please keep up your encouragement because it helps us. It helps us feel like it's worth it. So I'm going to read a couple of reviews. We've got some pretty awesome reviews from a lot of you. I'm just going to call a couple out that have stood out to me. This one was, it kind of warmed my heart. Um, This person says, uh, Layla Madonna, she posted, ASD mom of two boys. Just this first episode has me in tears. Your story sounds exactly as mine. I'm so glad to have found this podcast. I'm only one episode in, but I'm so excited to binge listen. And that was that episode I was talking about. It's the one that I feel has made the most impact to people. And honestly, to me, it was the most important one as well. I feel like all of season one was very much hitting home hard. The more so reality check. I mean, yes, we do kind of go through the grieving process, but it it definitely sets the foundation for everything else that comes after it. I mean, it is very much kind of getting right out at the ground floor and kind of, okay, let's start with step one and kind of work our way up and then just kind of keep going from there. So, I mean, it it was a hard, hard season, I mean, to get through all the different emotions that we, I mean, were coming out and just kind of the, the challenges that we were facing right then and there that we felt we had to solve. I felt like that was the hardest season to get through. From then, it started to lighten up and it was a little bit easier, but I feel like the first season was definitely much more challenging than some of the other seasons that we've kind of just kind of rolled through. And I feel like that's very representative of the parent experience. That first season of grief, that first season of understanding is the hardest. And so we aimed our podcast to be a natural progression of what it would be like to go through that process of finding out that diagnosis and getting through that informational void and then coming out on the other side. So we purposefully structured our podcast to help parents go through that process until we got into this more open format now in season seven, where we're basically just ready to chat now. We've gone through that. We are now here at a space where we're mentally, emotionally, totally, fully capable of having these conversations without falling apart. And we're trying to help everyone else get to that point, too. Here's another review. And of course, it's also about the first episode. It seems to be a popular episode. So this one is from His Mama. This review is called First Episode. It says, I'm only on the first episode and I'm in tears. When he said he had to have a talk with his family about his child possibly not growing out of these behaviors, and it may be a struggle, that right there is the hardest part. It's been a struggle to talk with my family and tell them information without them trying to fix the situation instead of just supporting us. 
Thank you for sharing and being so open. Man, has that been a struggle? Well, I was going to say it. I mean, amen there as far as trying to like not get family to try and like fix something that's not broken. But I mean, as far as like trying to fix a sensory situation, like you're not going to be able to make the sun less bright. Like, I mean, obviously we can use like sunglasses to like help. But as far as like some of these like sensory things, like you can only help and assist a certain amount. But like as far as like snapping your fingers and no longer having to worry about it, it's not that easy. So you're making me think of like the the clapper lights where you just like clap it on, clap it off, just <laughs> doing it with the sun. Like, oh, I just can't uh, clap it off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because people will see it. And unless they're around the kids 24 seven, they're kind of like, oh, like you should try this. And it's like, oh, like that'll fix that. Like, it's like, no. What? I should give them broccoli instead of peas? Yeah. <laughs> um. Here's another one. Uh, this one is from Hey There, Diane, and it's titled Simply Wonderful. As a mom of two neurotypical girls and a neurodivergent autism son, or ASD son, it is so refreshing to finally feel like I am not alone. This is such an isolating diagnosis for a parent, and I have felt so alone since he was diagnosed in October of 2018 when he was two. I was overwhelmed. Thank you. Thank you. That right there is the reason why we created our monthly parent support group. It runs on the first Tuesday of every month. If you go to our Facebook group at Autism Wish, you go to that Facebook page and you'll see an associated Facebook group. It's also called the Parenting Autism Support Group. And so you'll be able to access that group. And in that group, we have a special link that we use. It's private. It's a safe space for parents to lean on other parents for support. We talk about autism or not. We might just talk about what we did over the weekend, but it's a place where you can bring questions. The last one that we had was extremely powerful because we had a mom come in. I'm going to keep it anonymous, of course. She was basically talking about the struggles that we all have where we as parents tend to get the blame for our children's behavior and how society doesn't seem to understand even to this day that the mom is not to blame for autism. Historically speaking, it used to be that the theory behind the cause of autism was something called refrigerator mom. And that basically meant that it was perceived that mother's behavior towards their children was frigid. Essentially, they were cold moms. And because of that, they caused their child to have autism. So they were blaming mothers as not being like affectionate enough with their child or not being like kind enough to their child or basically just being bad moms and then telling them that because of their behavior, their child is autistic. And now it seems that although we have new knowledge on autism and we have new research on the causes of autism, it seems like that narrative is still alive and well. It's just changed slightly. So instead of it being the refrigerator mom, it's like the irresponsible mom or it's like the overbearing helicopter mom. So it's interesting to me how that judgment has not changed. It's just changed how it represents itself. Well, as far as, I mean, even just not that, I mean, myths in general, it's very, very difficult to like shift away from a story once someone has believed it for so long. So, I mean, even a slight variation, I mean, that's going to be locked in for however many next generations there are to follow before. I mean, hopefully there'll be some progression that will kind of shift it out of that mindset. But yeah, I feel like trying to shake that. I mean, as far as just the judgment of any type of kid's behavior that isn't seen as acceptable for society is 
someone's pointing fingers and saying that that parent is a bad parent and doesn't know how to raise their kids. And I mean, it's, it's painful. And I mean, it really does stink. There's no other way to put it. Like I hate being in that light where someone is making a judgment call without actually knowing anything about us, our family, our struggles, how we are as parents. But the fact that they see five seconds of one of our kids throwing a meltdown and suddenly they think they know everything about who we are as people, it's very hard. The worst part of that is that that parent in that moment, maybe not in that particular moment, but overall, that parent is often also suffering. They are usually depressed, broken, lonely, isolated, These parents, like we went through that. And I mean, even now we experience the social isolation. We're not able to socialize and have friends over or even make friends since we've moved because of the challenges of raising autistic kids and going to all the therapies and all the IEP meetings. We just don't have time to go anywhere else and make friends. And even if we had the time, just bringing our children to that is a challenge because it can be easily dysregulating for them. So there's a real, real challenge with finding that support system. The judgment is always there. It's kind of like darned if you do, darned if you don't for parents. And I really feel for these parents who are struggling, who feel isolated and then judged on top of that. But it almost feels like people forget about the caregiver and people forget that caregiver burnout is a real psychological thing. It's just as bad as clinical depression, clinical anxiety. People oftentimes when somebody is depressed outside of a caregiver setting, people validate that. People are like, you need help. When they think of self-harm and things like that, people are often empathetic of that. But for some reason, when that depression or anxiety is due to caregiving, people lose sight of the empathetic side of that. For some reason, people aren't as empathetic to that, in my experience and my observations, as they would be otherwise. They think that either you're exaggerating, it's not that bad, they don't understand, I'm a parent too, why are you making such a big deal, that sort of thing. And I feel like that's really invalidating for these caregivers. Yeah, and I think, I mean, at least from a parent-to-parent mindset, I'm willing to bet it's probably the person at the park is like, well, I've got kids too. They're playing. I don't know why you haven't gotten with the program, why they're misbehaving. Like my kids aren't misbehaving. So I could definitely see the, I'm not struggling. Then why are you struggling? Why are your kids misbehaving? Do you not know what you're doing? So I mean, just all these sorts of questions that are running internally. I mean, hopefully they don't voice them, but I mean, if they do, it's all the same garbage in my opinion of a, I mean, making a judgment about someone's parenting or their kid misbehaving as a result of parenting. Yeah, and maybe we'll do a deeper dive into caregiver burnout again. Um, Maybe we'll talk about that again at some point because I do think it's not talked about enough. But it looks like we have to wrap up now. But before we do, instead of sharing an awesome product with you guys, I just want to ask you guys, if you can, to take a moment to visit our website at autismwish.org slash give and just consider taking a look. If you are able to give in any sort of way, it would be completely appreciated. All the proceeds that we make go directly back into autism autism wish it goes directly back into the podcast. Like I said, we're in a several thousand dollar deficit. So none of this would be for profit. None of this would go in our pockets. It would just be to help us keep our servers running, help us keep the podcast going, all those sorts of things. It just requires that financial support. So no obligation whatsoever. We know how difficult it is right now financially. We understand exactly how hard it is as an autism parent. So absolutely no pressure. But if you feel inspired to give, that's the the way to do it autismwish.org slash give and i want to thank you guys again 
so much, Embracers, for getting us to that top 2.5% globally. We couldn't do it without you. If there's anything you want to hear that we haven't touched yet, email us again at podcast at autismwish.org with your feedback. We will read it. And if there's some juicy stuff in there, you might see it in a future episode. Yes, we'll see you next week for episode 101. One. <laughs> well, I was trying to do it you with up. you. And I was like, if we do it like this, we can kind of like go over to the screen. Over other side. There we go. We did it. And for everyone listening in audio only, that will make no sense to you. Go look at the video at <laughs> youtube.com slash at autism wish to catch the weird nonsense we do. Okay. All right, everybody. <laughs> thank you so much. Have a great day and we'll see you all next week. All right. Bye. Bye. This has been the audio from the Embracing Autism podcast live stream series. Please check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash at autism wish to catch these shows live. Otherwise, stick around next week for our next episode. This is Embracing Autism.